it's win-win or no deal. If the client won't let you win, but you want them to win, well, that's win-lose. They win, you lose. Welcome, everybody, back to the Chapin Commute. Uh, today's episode is one with me and the Associated Building Contractors CEO and President, Mike Bellman, a longtime friend of mine, uh, someone who really uh, looks to the future and improvement in everything that he's doing and in the industry and has a great passion for uh, many things. Uh, mostly, he has a passion for seeing the people around him succeed and in having win-win situations in all that he does. Well, we are here today with my friend, uh, Mike Bellman, who is the president and CEO of the Associated Builders and Contractors. As far as I'm concerned, the construction um, association here in the United States. I will let Mike explain a little bit more about himself and give himself a little bit of background. David, there's so many ways I could do that, right? Mike Bellman, President and CEO of Associated Builders and Contractors, the best construction trade association, the most innovative, the most advanced, the most safest, and dedicated to the workforce and adding value to the construction industry members, trade association, Associated Builders and Contractors. Uh, been with uh, ABC for 31 years, 13, 12, 12 plus in this role. And prior to that, 18, 19 years as a volunteer. I was a chapter chair of the Virginia chapter two years in a row, sat on the national board, loved ABC, always been involved in ABC, thought ABC was uh, the best, uh, you know, representing us uh, in uh, the meritocracy, fair and open competition. When I got the opportunity to uh, toss my name in the hat for this project or for this job, President CEO, I talked to my wife, who I met at ABC, Carol Ann, and she said, that'd be great. Let's go for it. So I was blessed to get the job. So here you are, a great representative of our industry and promoting all the great things about it. And then, like you said, innovation, you put that in there, you're an innovative guy who looks to the future and is um, often guilty of looking many, many years down to where are we going anyways, and what steps are we going to take to get to where we want to go, and an, an intentional um, thinker. Well, Mike, uh, the show is called The Cape and Commute, so I always like to start out by asking people, how far is your commute? My commute is 11 miles. I actually just did the map thing on my app to see how many miles it was. Coming in in the morning, uh, it's very simple. I come out of my driveway, I make a right, then I make another right. Then I make another right, and I make a left, and then I'm on Connecticut Avenue where I make a right. And I take Connecticut Avenue all the way into the uh, city. I hit DuPont Circle, I go down Mass Avenue, and when I get to Mass Avenue... Uh, hang a right on New Jersey, and I see the Capitol, and I know I'm home. I also have an alternative commute. I might get off a little early and go down Rock Creek Parkway. If I want to go through the monuments, I want to go by uh, the Potomac, go right around the Lincoln Memorial, get inspired by the Washington Monument, go right by, uh, right over the Tidal Basin. Especially, uh, you know, it's great 
obviously in uh, March, April for you know the Cherry Blossom Festival. It's phenomenal. And I usually get on the road around between 6 and 6.30 a.m. So it's in Washington, you know, Washington doesn't start till 9 or 10, right? You know, uh, so the contractors, that we love the early morning commutes. It's the evening commutes that are terrible. But actually, it's quite uh, uneventful. I could go around the Beltway and stuff like that. But, you know, honestly, I just love the pace of 25 to 35 miles an hour. I like to count how many green lights I can hit. It's just a wonderful commute to go through our nation's capital and see what it all has to offer. About 30 minutes. About 30 minutes. What do you use on that commute? In terms of my automobile? Yes, or yeah, what do okay. I listen to? I, I know, and using a good story, but your automobile story is a good story. What what Mike Bellman is is a, is a great car story. I've had four cars since college. I own my cars. I drive my cars. I enjoy my cars. Uh, my first car I bought was a Dodge Intrepid. I liked it so much. Ten years later, I bought another Dodge Intrepid. Twelve years my wife said, you know, you got to stop driving a Dodge Intrepid. You're in, in my car. When I got promoted to being a CEO, my wife, Caroline, goes, you know, you really should get a new car. You should really kind of branch out and get away from your Dodge Intrepid. She goes, just go take a look at it. I, I see you as a BMW guy. So I go. So I went, took a look and I ended up getting a black BMW exterior with a football, NFL football colored leather interior. And I was like, wow, you know, they they are the best engineered cars, in my opinion. You kind of feel the road and everything was great. So I own that one for my next car was 2019. I decided that problem I had, because I had a BMW that was a four-door X5. And the problem was, I couldn't get four sets of golf clubs and four adult men in that car comfortably. I have, we, but we had to have one of the golf clubs sitting on the laps of the people in the yeah, back. Yeah. So I had to get a new car. So I went to get another, but I fell in love with BMW. So I went to get another one and, uh, and they had come out with an X7. So I got that and it's great. I can get four golf bags. I can get four, you know, uh, sizable male human beings in there for a, yeah. uh, a nice golf trip if we want to drive three hours to go play a good course. Which is important. And that's one of the things I, I look for in a car. Um, I, I think the story of, about, you know, I said your car story is interesting because I don't know how what people expect from you that, that know you very well, uh, but I you use up your cars. You're, you're the kind, a lot of people, um, probably myself included, but Mike Bellman uses a car until he's done with it, yeah. You and 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 you know, that's that's kind of impressive. It's a, a a a thrifty way to go about it. The other thing is 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 you're the only person I know besides myself that admits that in the 1990s you drove a Dodge Intrepid. Yeah, so, well, it was a nice great, cars. a great car. Yeah, it was. It was a great car, fantastic, yeah. roomy. Uh, you know, and and accomplish everything. And uh, it, yeah, I I love the Dodge Intrepid. You don't see a lot of them on the road anymore, though. So I oh, don't they don't make them anymore, do they? No, but even after they were gone, it's like when I was driving one, you were driving one. Where did they all go? Well, thank you very much. Um, the the topic at hand that we were going to um, talk about today is 
um, win-win scenarios or, or, or situations. Um, a mutual friend of ours, George Nash, when I said, you know, I'd like to have Bellman on there. And he said, great idea. Talk to him about win-win um, scenarios. And I think yeah. immediately that, that, that um, struck a chord with me. Uh, when, when you hear that win-win, what does it make you think of? What comes to your mind? Well, I have yet to meet someone that likes to lose. People like to win, right? And 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 so I don't know about you. Do you like to win? Yeah, I like to win. Yes. Sarah, uh, Sarah and Dave love to win. Sarah, Sarah, do you like to win? I love to win, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so listen, with that knowledge, and, and you know, and I've had the opportunity to work in this industry for a long number of years, and I've worked with Number of subcontractors, clients, architects, you know, employees, every and and everybody wants to win. So why fight it? Why not create and think all the time win-win? Now I'm a cubaholic. Okay. I love Cubby. I'm big into the seven habits of highly effective people, one of the best books that I've ever read. And and habit number four is think win-win. And so it's an attitude. And so if you have, if you wake up every day saying, I'm going to help everyone around me win. Well, I, it's kind of like, you know, if A equals B and B equals C, then A's got to equal C, right? Which means that if everybody around me wins, then I'm going to win. There's no formula that I've encountered where everyone around me wins. And so just that attitude of win-win. And, and when you become known and you get a reputation for leading teams that win, and everybody on it wins, well, then people want to work for you. They want to work with you. They want to be on your team because they know that you want them to win. So that's why I love win-win. And that's, I, I just think, okay, this is what it's all about. And in the world, there's, the world's a big pie. There's plenty of, plenty of opportunity for everybody to win. There's plenty of pie out there for everybody. So I, I think win-win's a great attitude. It's uh, an attitude I try to start off with in uh, my interaction with, with other human beings, in my interactions, business to business. The idea here is if you're always winning in a relationship and you're consistently winning in a relationship, then the relationship should last into perpetuity. And I think in our industry, at least in, when I was in the industry, we always wanted to get repeat work. We always wanted to wow our client and we wanted to get repeat work. Well, the way we did that was we wanted to make sure our client won. But we also realized that in order for that to happen, we needed to make sure our supply chain won. And so that's just the attitude. You know, you talk about in the construction world, was it difficult to get people to, to come across um, to that way of thinking? Um, there's a lot of zero-sum game uh, mentality out there. Um, what was the struggle like that? Did you find a particular place that was difficult to get them to think in terms of win-win. Yeah, there, there are there are people that struggle. I mean, you're right. Uh, our uh, industry uh, has a win-lose paradigm. Uh, I'm I I couldn't agree with you more. But yet, when you address it right up front and you ask, "Would you like to win?" and they say yes, and then you say, "Well, I'd like to win as well." So the only way we can go forward is win-win. So then you start talking about, well, what is a win for you? And what's fascinating when you do have that conversation and you think about what a win is for you, when you're talking to a client, um, you know, you may speculate, you may think you know what 
their definitions of success are. But you really don't know until you actually sit down and have a conversation. And and then they have to acknowledge that they want you to win. And here's the deal. It's, it's win, win or no deal. If the client won't let you win, but you want them to win, well, that's win, lose. They win, you lose, right? So who wants to sign up in a deal? Do you know the other person is going to win and you're going to lose? Who would, right. who would make that deal? So the answer to the question is, is this win-win or no deal? But I have found that the majority of the time, the super majority of the time, when you have a conversation with people and you say, you open up and say, it's win-win or no deal. It's a great conversation. We do that at ABC all the time with our strategic partners and with our business partners. We have a very com- you know frank conversation and and uh, it's a very honest conversation about hey you know we both need to win or we shouldn't do a deal would you agree with that philosophy i mean you don't want to lose i don't want to lose so why would we create a win lose deal so let's have a conversation about how we, and if it can't work it's it's no deal how how is it different than compromise it, there there seems to be a subtle difference between win win yeah. and just straight out Compromise, compromise to me is you, you're going to meet in the middle somewhere. And, and usually everyone's paradigm is you're going to meet exactly halfway in the middle. Compromise in my world is lose-lose. So you're not going to get what you want to win, what you need to win. And I'm not going to get what I need to win. Well, if I don't get what I need to win, I lose. Same thing. So this is so the, so the paradigm shift is not from compromise, but how do you grow the pie? How do you make it bigger? How do you grow the value pie? And this is the other conversation that you get into with your customers. And in the construction industry, it it's it, it can happen very easily, but you have to have the conversation. So when you get into a situation of having conversations about how do you win, how do we win and stuff like that, part of that conversation is, un, un, is disclosing or uncovering what is true value to your client. You may think that on time or maybe even ahead of schedule is the win for a client. Well, that may not necessarily be true. If I'm delivering, if I deliver a hotel a month early and that hotel has no business in it because they didn't plan any kind of meetings, it's just sitting there accumulating debt. You know, they're paying another month of debt because they've paid you out early they're taking a building they can't use and they can't generate any revenue from. So they may not want it. A win for them may not be a month early. A win might be a month early if you told me a year ago, but not if you deliver it to me or tell me three months from now that I'm going to get it a month early. That's not a win for them. So in that conversation, under uncovering what is really a win, you may then realize that, okay, schedule's not the issue. I don't have to worry about accelerating uh, to get there so I can plan accordingly. Uh, and maybe there's another way we can help the client win. So my question is coming in with a, with a younger generation of it. It's as you talked about uh, compromise is a lose lose situation because you don't fully get what you want. But I think that sometimes my generation doesn't necessarily we're a bunch of people pleasers. I feel like we just want everyone to be happy and we would rather take the loss for ourselves. Not that we want to lose, but we don't necessarily see it as a loss to um, help the other person in that kind of way. But So how do you train the younger generation coming in to make sure that like, don't give up too much. You can still stand on a platform and win. 
Well, I think it's uh, I think there's a moral element there. Right. Uh, and, and that's what I'm sensing from the younger generation. There's a there's a, a desire to um, uh, have more of a societal impact, a, a more holistic impact. Well, include all of that in your win. Uh, in, include that, uh, you know, that bigger picture. So what is a win for you may not be what's personally, you know, important, but what might be important to you in a bigger cause. So that's still win-win. But if you don't disclose that, then you lose. So, you know, win-win has to do, you have to have courage to be able to get out there and put down, here's what is a win for me. And and I and I say this to you, uh, Carol Ann and I, when we, we we chat about buying cars, it's either got to be a win-win or it's no deal. You got it. You can't get emotionally attached to the car. You got to be able to walk away, right? And this is the problem. It, no deal is, it's a great outcome if the alternative is win-lose. And compromise is one plus one equals one and a half. What we're looking for ultimately in a win-win situation and as you seek to understand what is the win, what are the what are how are what are the opportunities for win? Because in that there's some nuggets that you can probably grow the pie and create one plus one equals three or four. We have um, we lined up a, a a client one time where we had a scaled fee system, and so we said, let's just say you know the scale of fee is one to five, okay. And well, five's the highest fee, one's a base fee, a minimum fee that we would be willing to do it for to cover our costs. And so then what we did, and we said, this what number, this five would be a windfall, okay? And so what we did with the clients, we asked them, what's the minimum win that you're looking for? And what would be a knock it out of the park, you know, windfall for you? And so in this situation, uh, we were working for a customer that built, I'll say, widgets, okay, for the for the benefit of the audience. Repetitive widgets, multi-site things. So when you think about that, think convenience stores and think, uh, you know, retail centers and brands and stuff like that are consistent across the, across the globe. And so they said, well, if you can figure out how to build two for the price of one, that would be a huge knocking out of the park win for us. Because then we could double our capital program, double our output. We said, okay, let's put that out there. And boy, if you could cut schedule from what it is now in the half, that would be great. Okay, let's take a look at that. Oh, and if you deliver the project without any incidents, because this company was really committed to safety, without any incidents, and you created an asset that would eliminate maintenance incidents, that would be a knock it out of the park. So we came up with these huge, massive goals. And we ended up doing, in order to achieve that, we had to agree to a multi-year and we went five years agreement. So now I've got a five-year agreement. I got these big incentives. And if they win, I win. They're excited to write me the big check. But what we did was we didn't make it to that five. What would it be if we got to a four? What would we be if we got to a three? What would we be if we got to a two? And all of that was kind of a win-win, but that was kind of a grow the pie kind of agreement. Pretty neat. And I'll tell you what, guess what we did? We made those things happen. 
We had the time. We're able to do some real remarkable stuff with the supply chain, real remarkable stuff with the design. We pulled in every everybody was aligned because everybody's like, man, if we can do this, we'll knock it out of the park. And then we personally aligned everybody's incentive with that as well. Now, talk about win, 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 win. Everybody's winning. Which in, in our industry is 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 certainly not typical. I often uh, I give this example, always get blank stares back. But when we go to get our next smartphone and get a new TV, we expect it to be better and cheaper than the last one. Absolutely. But in construction, we've just decided to set that aside and go fight each other. That's right. Um, and well, because we're fighting, we're fighting on commodity lines. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, listen, as long as you're a commodity – Price is going to dictate in control. Yep. This is where we as contractors, because, you know, we're building something that's never been built before, you know, typically and in, in conditions that have never been experienced for. And we're trying to predict the future and we're bringing together tens and 20, 30, 40 companies for the first time collectively to do this. This is complex. We are not a commodity. But we, but we refuse to not be treated as a commodity. We'd love to be treated as a commodity. Yes. yes. I mean, it's our fault. We are in. We have the ability to be extremely innovative with technology uh, coming out. I mean, I just had a conference around artificial intelligence. Matt Abels and I have a, were texting back and forth about artificial intelligence and what it's going to mean to this industry, and it's going to be amazing. And I'll tell you what, it's. I, this is a real interesting moment in our industry. And so with AI, are we going to look at that as a threat or are we going to look at that as a way to create unbelievable value, unlock unbelievable productivity? And it's in, in the infancy right now. It's in the infancy right now because it was just unleashed, what, within the last six months? Yeah. Right, that we really figured out, found out about it, and you know, there's different. There's over five thousand different types of AIs out there right now. So huge opportunity, innovation. I'll tell you what, you want to grow. Grow the pie is tough. Being innovative and creative is tough, and and if you don't want to put the work in, and you don't want to have the best talent in the field to put the work in, then you want to be treated like a commodity. Then you're going to be treated like a commodity. Well, you've given us a lot to think about there, all the way from uh, a very uh, well-outlined uh, plan there on win-win scenarios. Uh, it is Chapter 4 in, in the book, um, there, the Covey Road. Any other mentors that in, in your life that you've seen in, in this area of win-win uh, scenarios? Yeah, uh, Jack Welsh. Um, I had the opportunity to spend two days with Jack Welsh, you know, the CEO of uh, GE, after he was uh, CEO me and 50 other CEOs uh, up in Boston. It was great. This guy's a win-win guy, okay? He's a value creation guy. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, he's very, regardless of what people might have said about it, what his reputation is, he is a big cubby guy, and he's a big win-win guy. Uh, and he loves the whole concept of growing the pie and, and, and stuff and making relationships sticky. He calls it sticky uh in in stuff so uh he he was he was great uh at it one of your friends in in ours patrick lencioni he's big in the win-win uh as well 
He may not call it win-win, but when he talks about uh, the five temptations of a CEO and and the five dysfunctions of a team and stuff like that, win-win is all through that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, uh, element. In, in his latest book, The Advantage, you know, uh, addresses win-win as well. So, I, I think uh, I think win-win is um, you know historical. It's a foundational principle. It's like gravity. But we humans, you know, are flawed. Uh, we have fears. Unless you have a, unless you're very comfortable and confident that it's okay for others to win, and you believe that if they win, you win, you know, and you lead with that. And if you just don't get there, you just say no deal. It's not that complicated. But saying no deal takes courage. Well, thank you very much. It was great to talk uh, with you, to hear more of uh, your insights on the topic. You've been very generous with your time. And uh, Sarah and I appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone listening appreciates it as well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Well, it was great talking with Mike. You can feel his energy for the topic at hand. Um, we often fall into that win-lose uh, mentality, especially when we're thinking in terms of sports or some game like that. Um, but in life, it really is important um, that we have success and that the people around us have success. And uh, when, you, when you look at win-win uh, situations like that, it's a no-brainer. And Mike uh, delivers that point. Yeah, and it's just interesting how he also brought up like the it's either a win-win or no deal, and how no deal takes courage to say to them that it's going to be a no deal. Um, so that was interesting. Yep, he, he he drives that point home. So it's fun to talk to Mike. It's uh, fun to hear from a fellow uh, Dodge Intrepid owner um, about the past, and uh, clearly um, someone who. Uh, likes to make sure he's getting the most out of things.